Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John. We'll be in chapter 2, book of 1 John. As you know, uh, we've been going through a series of messages that's entitled Authentic Christianity. Uh, just real deal Christianity. What is it that a believer does to become saved? What does he, what happens in their life? What is the evidence of those things? And we've been uh, looking at those for the last uh, uh, three or four weeks. <clears throat> and we'll continue on doing that throughout uh, part of the summer. On Wednesday evenings, then I also uh, do some teaching and follow up, kind of missing the verses that we may miss on a Sunday morning as we look at that. I'm reminded um, a few years back that Karen and I watched a movie that was entitled To Live Again. It was uh, done in 1998, I think, some some time around there. And the movie was about a young girl whose mother had kept her locked in a room. The uh, The mother had some issues, obviously. But she took her baby when the... When the baby was, when the girl was born, and put her in a room, and she would feed her in that room at times and leave the lights off all day long. Um, it's kind of like a closet type room. Um, she had no the 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 child had no contact with the outside world, uh, with no one, and um, with anyone at all. She kept her there for 16 years. The mother eventually had passed away, and when she passed away um, within a few days or so, someone had gone, this is a true story, someone had had uh, gone to the house and found out that this child, um, 16-year-old girl, was in this closet. When they opened the door and, uh, and had her to come in uh, or invited her out, she kind of refused because she was kind of curled up in the corner. She didn't know how to respond to anyone. She couldn't uh, write. She couldn't really communicate. Um, she mostly ate like an animal would eat. She was very dirty, had no social skills of any kind. And so uh, they didn't know what for sure, just, well, what are we going to do with this, with, the, with this girl? A social worker took the girl and started working with her. And so between the ages of 16 and, and I think it was around 21, eventually got the girl to the place where she could function somewhat in society. And I don't know for sure about them holding jobs, all of these kind of things. I just know I tried to go back and watch the movie again, but um, couldn't find it. But uh, I know that, uh, that, that the movie was made, and it was true, a true story. When I got to thinking about that uh, particular movie, it caused me to think, at that time I was a believer, and uh, Karen and I had uh, <clears throat> had been overseas for four years and were getting ready to go back overseas for four more years to live and to work with the Kakuna people out in the jungles of, of New Guinea. And it started causing me to think about spiritual growth. Well, what happens when a person comes to know Christ and they're not they're not taught biblical principles? And, uh, and, and it started causing me to think what happens in the, in that process. Because the truth and statistics show us that, that as many people as we have come into the church, we have more, it seems, that leave 
to the back door than they do to the front door. And why is it that so many people can make a profession of faith or but seem to fall away in their faith? And so these kind of things uh, got me thinking about about a lot of things. Well, that's kind of what John the Apostle is addressing here in this particular passage of Scripture. He's talking about some stages of spiritual growth. And uh, I wanna I want us to focus on those um, this morning. There's basically um, you would know that uh, in your life, maybe you've got one of those um, those pictures that your parents took of you when you were in kindergarten, and then you were in the first grade, in the second grade, all the way through twelfth grade. Maybe some of you graduates uh, have that picture where your parents have all, but we have some of those of our kids. Our kids don't like for us to show them uh, these pictures. Or they will say, I I never did like that shirt. Or why didn't you do something with my hair then? You know, something like that. But we know that there are different stages from that time of uh, being an infant uh, to a toddler to a child to an older child all the way up. And I can tell you that in the rich church uh, here that we uh, we really work hard to be able to have Bible studies for every age group that you see represented here for guys and gals. Uh, for children, for teenagers, uh, for singles, we we work. We we want to see you grow in your faith and your walk with the Lord. And so we try to provide. Our bulletin is full of many many different opportunities, not just on a Sunday morning, but on Wednesdays. Full gamut of uh, of teaching and opportunities on Wednesdays. A uh, great uh, opportunities throughout the week of a variety of things for singles or for young adults. We have activities. All of these are, are characteristic, part of what we're doing. Just finished having something on Thursday night here for grandparents. So we want to see everyone develop in their faith and uh, to walk with the Lord in the way that they should. And so this passage of Scripture gives us that. Would you stand with me as I read to you these um, three verses that are here? Uh, in First John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Notice what the scriptures teach us and what it says here. It says, um, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have uh, overcome the wicked one. I write to you, Little children, again, almost repetitive, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Let's pray again. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, and in this room are those who have great needs. And we pray that each need might be met, whether it's a physical need, a financial need, emotional need. Father, most of all, even a spiritual need that we have here. Father, there's much in your word that we don't understand, so we're asking that you would teach us. And through your Holy Spirit, you would reveal, show us. Make it evident for us in understanding. And then, Father, we pray that we would be able to apply that and use it for your glory. 
for the advancement of your kingdom, but also, Father, for our good and for our benefit. To you be the glory in all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, Amen. You can be seated. Hey, I'm excited about uh, that great role of uh, graduates is here. It's a milestone um, marker in their life. It's a it, it's it's transitioning from one particular area to another, and um, sometimes it's a wake up call when you when you when you get out of that high school and all of a sudden you've got to find a job or or you finish college and all of a sudden now you've got to you you get a job and and you got to move on and so it's it's a challenge. Uh, in those areas. The Apostle John was, um, uh, he was in his 80s now, uh, and in this passage of Scripture, really he gives to us a picture uh, of different stages of spiritual growth, what that would look like. And uh, it's so important that we're growing to know Christ uh, in the ways that we should be growing. And uh, so he basically is speaking about three different uh, areas. He's speaking about uh, those who were uh, little children, he's speaking about uh, those who are young men, uh, and we can put this there. It's, it's set up in a generic way uh, because he's referring to uh, both male and female, uh, and as young men, young women, and then he's referring to uh, fathers and mothers, those who are older, uh, have uh, some uh, more responsibility maybe in some areas than the others, but all of them are very important, I believe, stages of growing in our faith in Christ. And if I were to give a definition of what I would, uh, what, what I would say we're talking about in spiritual growth, I would say that spiritual growth is the daily process of taking in the truth of God's Word by believing it and applying it. And I don't think there's a greater gift, and it can be a tremendous treasure for you, those of you who received that gift uh, this morning, of the Word of God, that if you will take that and you will apply it in your life and make it part of your life, that it will become the most valuable treasure, much more greater than what money could ever make you in the years to come. If you will take the principles of what, of what is in that book and you will apply them in your own life. I believe that. Matter of fact, Jesus said this when he was being tempted by Satan. He said, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by but he lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, speaking about God's written word. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as we're hearing the word of God, we will increase, we will grow in our relationship with our Lord. And that's a, that's a key for each of us that's here. There will be some that will not grow. Some, uh, it doesn't have anything to do with your age. It doesn't have, uh, because uh, some people say, well, you know, I'll, I'll grow as I get older. No, it's not about that. From the moment that you trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit of God came to live in you. And that is the beginning, that is the beginning point for your spiritual growth. And so you're a newborn baby. Uh, in your faith at that particular time. You could be 50 years old, 60 years old, but when you place your faith in Christ, you you, be, you start as a newborn. Uh, there's not maybe a lot that you know about the Word of God. I was 19 years old uh, when, when I trusted Christ as my Savior. I had been in church uh, some, but not in great detail uh, at all to, to be able to hear the Word of God. My wife, she was saved at a much younger age because she was in church, hearing the word, 
and she believed and God saved her through that. So as we look at these, uh, the real question for us, and this is what we've done um, some years ago at our house, uh, when our um, when our first grandchild was born, uh, we bought one of these wooden things. Karen found it somewhere that was almost like a ruler. It was a marker, and uh, we put it on our. Uh, it put it in one of the bedrooms, and uh, so when our granddaughter would come in after she got to where she could start walking and and stuff like that, she would come in and she would back up to that little thing, and Karen would take and she would measure her, and she would put the date there, and then each time she would come in time. As uh, our granddaughter got to be five or six years old, she would say, she would come in and say, are you going to measure me? And we would go in and say, let's see how much you've grown since the last time. Oh, in the last three months, you've grown this much. And she'd get all excited about it. Well, our second granddaughter came along. We did the same with that, with her, and uh, uh, marked all of those things. And so that's been part of their life. But I wonder if we were to take this morning, for, for those of us that are here, if we were to take from the, from the time when you first placed your faith in Christ, and understand me, I'm talking about from that moment when you first placed your faith in Jesus, and you believed, and he saved you, what would your spiritual growth level look like? Are you at the same place? Maybe for one year, two years, five years, ten years. Where are you when it comes to your growing spiritually? Because you see, I want to tell you, we will stand before a God and we will be held accountable for what the things that we've, that's been placed within our hands. His word's been placed there. Now for some of you, you'd say, well, no spiritual growth has taken place. And it may be because you've never ever placed your faith and trust in Christ. And so today would be a good day. It'd be the best day. It'd be a must day. Because Jesus said, except a man get, is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. The only way we get into God's kingdom will be through the new birth. Becoming as a baby in Christ. Now we don't have to stay there. We'll grow. We'll continue to grow. And that's what John talks about. He starts out using the term a spiritual infant. He uses this in verse 12 and uses it in verse 13. The significant thing about uh, these two verses is that the word children uh, in, the first, uh, in the first reference in verse 12 is a different word than the word children in the, in the second reference in verse 13. The first one means to be born uh, into the family. And so you're a little child, you're part of the family. Matter of fact, that entire verse says, uh, uh, my little children, I write these things uh, to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven. And the only way for our sins to be forgiven is if we have been born again. You must be born again, is what Jesus said. And so we start, everyone starts right there. We must be born again. It's not through baptism, not through church membership, it's not through... Uh, some uh, speaking in tongues or some other gift or a thing of, of these sorts, it always starts through the new birth. And once it starts there, well, then we start that growing process. And John speaks about that. But the second word that John uses is a word that means a child who is being trained and taught. He's, he, he's at a place where 
where he is in being instructed and trained. No, this is how you do that. Many of us have gone through those kind of things because we've worked with our children through the different years. I wonder how many different kinds of things we've taught our children. Some, some good habits and some not so good habits. But we, we work with our children to train them. Why? Because we want them to grow up. We teach them how to, uh, how to put on their clothes. We teach them maybe how to brush their teeth at first. When they're brushing their teeth, what happens? Toothpaste is everywhere. Or we're teaching them how to eat. And when you first put maybe some, some, uh, utensils in their hands, uh, to eat with, what happens with it? They're very awkward. And so those first times when they're eating spaghetti, they have spaghetti in their hair. Uh, and it's all over their face and they all over their clothes. And so we teach them, but the time comes, hopefully, that by the time that, 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 that they're junior high kids, they're still not got spaghetti everywhere. But we teach our kids many things. We teach them how to comb their hair and take care of themselves and to make their beds. We, we do lots of training, lots of teaching. And, and John was saying that in the life of, the, of, a, of, a, of a believer, you start out as that infant, and there are those within our church that are in that category. Now, he also says there are those who are young men who, and young women, young believers, who are really maturing in their faith. And then he even refers to older ones that have been saved for a long time and are really, they, they are champions of the faith and uh, given examples of that in many, many different ways. And so John, John walks through some of those things. And I just want to point out a few of those kind of things to you and for you so that you understand and we see just what he's talking about here. Now, we know that as children, there's a lot of things about kids that, uh, when, especially when they're first born uh, into the family. For, for nine months, they're inside a mama's womb, okay, in her belly. Now, when that baby is born, that baby has not met mama personally, other than on the inside, swimming around in there, kicking every now and then, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then the day comes when the baby's born. Now, how is it that that baby is attached and connected with mama? The umbilical cord is cut. You know what it is? The baby recognizes mama's voice almost immediately. That's why you find in these passages of scripture here where John says, uh, little children, you have known the father. You've known the father. You could ask a new believer, when I first got saved, if someone said to me, could you name the books of the Bible? I, I might be able to come up with some, you know, but I wouldn't have known all of them by any, any, any means. I remember when I um, preached one of my first sermons, I didn't know a whole lot. My wife had been raised in church. I didn't know the difference between Jobs and Job, Palms and Psalms. And uh, she had to correct me a lot in my preaching and teaching. No, 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 you don't say it like that. There's not a book of Palms. Oh, there isn't? Oh, okay. As a new believer, there's a lot of things we don't know, just like a newborn baby that comes into our world. Uh, some of those things is that a baby is, is very undiscerning. 
Okay, they're they're very undiscerning. Uh, I saw that uh, this past week, and I'll use uh, Roger and Brenda's grandson. And uh, Courtney brought um, their their daughter brought uh, their uh, her son here to the church. And uh, I've seen this this little guy in the last five months that I've been here at the church. I've seen him uh, growing and and. And Brenda used to bring him, and she'd put him on a blanket there, and he just laid there because he was so small he didn't move around. Now um, he's not going to lay there. This little guy, he's fast. Matter of fact, uh, he, he'll give you a run for your money. Uh, he can crawl, crawl quick. Now here's the thing about that. Um, God has made those children that uh, one of the first things that they recognize that brings satisfaction to them are the things that they put in their mouth. You know that? is one of the first things. That's what really pleases them. Now, they're undiscerning in this sense, that if they're crawling around on the floor, they could find a raisin from five or six weeks ago to an M&M that was dropped a couple of days ago to a rock or whatever it is. But whatever they find, one of the first things those kids will do is to test whether this is something good or not by putting it in their mouth. That's why they're constantly putting things in their mouth. No, no. And, and parents are going, oh, oh, nasty, spit that out. That's dog food. No, you don't eat that stuff. You have to do those kind of things. You know why? Because they're undiscerning. They don't know. Now, I want to tell you that as a newborn believer, that the enemy will throw a lot of things. Our culture... A lot of the things of the world will come at us every direction. And we're undiscerning because we don't know. And so John is talking about that the church has responsibility here too. Is that we have to take the newborns and we have to treat them like they're newborns. A newborn doesn't, uh, when he comes into the family, you don't say, now, now listen, listen here. We're going to get the rules straight here, okay? Because we eat at 8, at 12, and at 5.30. Okay? That's when we eat. And we sleep all night long. So no more of this crying at 3 in the morning, getting everybody all up. You don't do that, do you? If you do, there's a problem. What I'm saying is this. You meet the needs of the child. And for us, we have to, we can't, our expectation can't be that everybody that comes to know Christ has to jump in right where we are. But we have to bring them from where they are to where they need to be. Spiritually. That's spiritual growth. And that's going to teach them how that they can feed themselves from the Word of God. So that's why that Bible is so important for you. Those of you who are uh, we're standing up here, I'm telling you, it can be a treasure that you will value for the rest of your life if you let it be part of your everyday life. Even if it's a small portion that you're reading, but I'm telling you, it'll transform, it'll change you. And it'll bring peace. In the midst of very difficult times. It will bring answers to you. That you never thought you would find out. It will heal a broken heart. It will give you hope. When it seems like there's no hope. And on those hard difficult days. When a family member has passed on. It will give you the hope of a resurrection. That one day you will meet them again. It's all there in that book. <clears throat> excuse me, it'll teach you how that you can be uh, how to treat your neighbors, how to be a parent how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife how to be a good child how to work with your finances how to, how to, how to work in your business life 
All of these things are right there in the scriptures. And so, at this point, you may be very undiscerning about all those things. But God has a plan. <coughs> and he will use you and uh, use his word in your life if you'll let him do that. Now, I found, uh, you know, my wife and I, we, um, we, we lived with a group of tribal people for quite a while. And, um, they were very, a very uncivilized group of people. Now, they had no spiritual insight whatsoever. But they also didn't, they were almost like that girl who was put in a room for 16 years. These people were very primitive people. There were so many things they had never, ever seen, ever in their life. For instance, they had never seen electricity. Um, they had never seen a lighter. Um, they, they had seen a match. Uh, they had never seen shovels, different kinds of tools. Um, they didn't have words for most of those kind of things. They had never seen that kind of stuff before. No idea what it was. And so when, when, we, when we went into that area, we, we had to educate them and train them in a lot of areas. They didn't even know what money was in their own country, in the country they lived in, because they didn't have money where they lived. And so when they would work for me, they would say, could you pay me with salt? So we would get two pounds of uh, salt in bags, and we would, we would pay them. Initially, I, I got salt for them, uh, because they didn't have any kind of uh, uh, seasoning of any kind for any of their foods. All their food was from the, from the jungle. They had no canned foods of any kind, anything like that. So, very primitive group of people. Matter of fact, they're so primitive that um, one time they came to my house and they were looking in. Well, Karen and I, uh, one of our missionaries that was out at our mission base was getting ready to go back to the States, and they were selling some of their things. And one of the things that they sold was an artificial Christmas tree. And so when the helicopter come in, it was in this box. They brought it in. They brought it uh, to us. Um, and, uh, um, you know, once it was Christmas time, we set it up. Well, our tribal people were looking in our back door and they said, hold it. Where did you get that tree? And I said, well, that's not a tree. It's not real. And they said, well, now our eyes are seeing a tree right there. It's a tree. And I said, that tree actually isn't a tree. And they said, when did you go get it? Where did you get it? And I said, when the helicopter come in, they said, now, we saw everything that came off the helicopter, and that tree was not on the helicopter. I said, it was in a box. And they're saying, what box? I said, this box right here. And I showed them a box. And they said, no, impossible for that tree to be in that box. I mean, the dimensions, it won't work. So eventually, what I had to do is I had to say to them, okay, you choose one person from, from the village here to come in and touch the tree. So they came in, touched the tree. And uh, and then I showed them, after Christmas, how that I took this tree apart and folded it up. Now they're scratching their heads saying, why would anybody want to store a tree like that? But anyway, you see, there's so much they didn't understand. Now, one other thing we had was that we had a few decorations, and one of those is we had a cardinal. And so we had a cardinal in our tree. And they asked us, now it wasn't a real cardinal. It just looked like a cardinal. And they said, how did you train that bird? We've never seen that bird here before. And I said, well, it's not a real bird. And they said, now hold it. Well, we're, we're seeing this, so it must be real. I said, no, it's not real. And again, I, I said, okay, pick one person out of the village, let them come in. 
let them touch this. And they said, the bird doesn't move. It's not alive. And they said, but who would have a dead bird? Why? We told them we were St. Louis Cardinals. And um, they, so there are a lot of things that happens to newborns, believers, that aren't real, that we have to teach them from the Word of God. That's the whole emphasis that John was trying to make here. He was trying to teach them. He was trying to teach them the basics, is that uh, a new believer, all they know is they, they just know God, just like a, a newborn baby knows the voice of their mother. And, and a new believer is undiscerning, and so there's lots of things that we have to say, be careful, no, don't touch, don't do this, don't do that. I saw it again this past week because uh, as um, as Courtney's son was going out into the hallway and going down the uh, the hall, uh, he stopped by the wall and he reaches up by an outlet. Okay? Now, Courtney being a good mother says, uh, he'll be all right. No, no, she didn't do that. What Courtney did was she said, no, no. And so, of course, he looks up. You know, but no, and he knew, okay, no, so then he goes on to crawling again. Now, this is what this is what I'm uh, trying to say to you. There's nothing wrong with you going to a new believer and saying, hold it, no, no. Why are you doing that? You're doing that to protect them from the dangerous thing ahead. So, so listen, if you're, maybe you're not real solid in your faith, and the next time that a believer comes to you, and they say, no, be careful about that. Don't, don't, don't be so offended about it. Really take a good look at what they're trying to say because, because the Word of God tells us that we, we must be discerning and we have to understand. And this is the guidebook that we'll go by. This is the guidebook one day you're going to, to, to have to answer, uh, for the Lord. And, um, and so He's given those things to us so that we would, do the right kind of things. Now, let me let me just quickly move into um, uh, to, to this passage because it says, "When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways." And Paul again is giving this progressive uh, um, level of spiritual maturity. There's the times when, and so he's speaking here about a physical thing, but he's speaking about really spiritual truth. There are times when I was a child, I didn't understand spiritual things the way I do now because I've grown up. And I can tell you that these graduates got where they are today, not because they haven't learned. They have learned and then taught a lot of things. They pass tests, they study, they work to get to where they are. And then on into college, the same thing. It's hard work. But they put the efforts and the time to get there, to finish the course. And God is saying that as believers, we are to finish that course that's set before us. That we are to continue to move on. And so the second level that he talks to us about is this spiritually growing level. And and you'll notice that, again, in verses 13 and 14, just three verses here, but he really gives to us uh, these these passages, he said, he said, first of all, because you're strong. I write, I write to you, young men, because you're strong. Because of what 
what, what has been happening in your life. I believe he's implying here about spiritual truth. I believe that it's more than just a, a few things that he's saying. But that in those young years, you have the energy and the strength spiritually to accomplish great things. I, I'm, I'm reminded of great people over the years that accomplished tremendous things. And I want to tell you, graduates, if you will take the Word of God and you will allow it to move and to work in your heart, you will be a champion for Jesus. I am convinced of that, no doubt about it, just like these people were. Martin Luther, at the age of 34, became a reformer. And he nailed the 95 Thesis onto the Wittenberg Church wall. And it, and it broke the greatest revolution in the history of the church. George Mueller, at the age of 27, started an orphanage in England that literally went and, and rescued 10,000 plus children over the years. And he did all of this, never asking for anyone to give one dollar to his work. He always asked God. And God did it. John Bunyan, at the age of 32, wrote Pilgrim's Progress from a prison cell. It's still yet a very popular Christian classic. He was put in prison because of his crime, preaching the gospel. And all he had to do was to tell the people, I will not preach again. They said, you, you tell us you're not going to preach again, and we'll let you out. And he stayed in prison, stayed in prison, and stayed in prison. Because he said, when I get out, and sure enough, when he finally was released, what did he do? The next week he was preaching the gospel. William Booth was at the age of 36 when he founded the Salvation Army. David Brainerd was one of the first, at the age of 25, was one of the first missionaries to the Native American Indians. William Carey, at the age of, uh, as a teenager, could read the Bible in six different languages and became, he went to China and was working in China, became one of the first missionaries, learned the language, did multiple Bible translations, and become what we know now as the father of modern missions. And the work that he did back in the 1800s is still yet going on today. What about you? When we put that spiritual growth chart up, where were you five years ago? Graduates, where, what, what progress have you made? You have made, some of you have become great athletes, some of you have become uh, top students. You, you have succeeded in a lot of things, but when it comes to spiritual things, because when you stand before the Lord, He's not gonna say, let me see the trophies that you've won. He, He won't say, hey, what's your GPA? But I'll tell you what He will say. What have you done? with how I've blessed you over the years. What are you doing with it now? And so if that, if that chart was here, and we're looking at the different levels, are you growing? Moms and dads, are you growing? Are you maturing? Are you moving forward? He says, he says young men, young women, remember, we're talking about believers that have matured from an infant. So we're not just talking about that young young age that we're looking at, but we're looking at young in their Christian faith. They're strong. He says, because because what? God's Word lives in you. Now, I want to tell you, you were given a Bible. If you don't take that Bible and you don't read that Bible, 
And you don't take, God's word will never live within you as it should. But here he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. You know what the word abide means? It is the, the word of God is the center of all that you're doing. The word abide means to dwell, to live, to take up permanent residence. The word of God is living in here like that passage that we quoted over the years. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Or as this psalm here says, and that, that passage is there. And, and look at the first words here. How can a young man or woman keep his ways pure? By guarding it according to what? Your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. You see, John was calling out these guys and saying, man, you're strong. And you're strong because the word of God is in you. You'll be a champion. If ever there's something that our churches need today are champions. I believe the makings of them are right here. My goal in every time I preach is to make a champion. Every time I teach, whether it's children, or whether it's uh, teenagers, or whether it's adults or tribal people or whatever, it's always to make a champion. A champion in the faith. Of how their faith could be built up in Christ. And how that they could excel in those areas. Here's the third thing and the final thing that I'll share with you. This morning, because there's more we could go on to. There's still yet a third level there. and We'll do that on Wednesday. Because you've overcome the evil one. Now, some of you. Some of you dealt with a little bit of the wickedness of the world. But I want to tell you. You're targeted. And the word that he uses here is a tremendous word for overcome. Actually, what it means is you become a victor over the enemy. It means that you put your foot on the throat of the enemy and you've said, I am a champion. And John is saying to these, to these young guys and gals in their faith, not their age, you have the word of God living in you, you're strong. And you are victorious. And you've got your foot on the throat of the enemy saying, not today. Nuh-uh, no way. I have victory in Jesus. And for many of you, you're struggling. You're undiscerning. You're not growing in your faith. You're not taking it seriously. Let me just close with, with this story. I, I was having trouble when we were living in the jungle with pigs. Yeah, P-I-G-S, pigs. Wild pigs or domestic pigs. They were always tearing up my garden, tearing up my stuff. So I put, um, I put a pig fence, um, around an area of the village 
and around our medical clinic and my partner's house, we ran a little pig pen. We ran it about this high up off the ground. And uh, I remember when I was putting it in, the uh, the tribal people, um, they said, this guy is crazy. He's putting this little fence this high all the way around his house. Doesn't he know that our pigs can jump right over that? What's wrong with him? And so I remember putting it in, setting it up, putting it all the way around my house and around my partner's house. And I told my, my partner, or I mean, I told my translating helper, now he was helping me to put all this in. <coughs> I said, now, I'm going to turn this on. It was battery operated with a solar panel. And I said, uh, so when I turn it on, I said, now don't touch it. And he's like rolling his eyes at me. Don't touch it. Okay, yeah, okay, no big deal. Okay, so I turn it on. Well, it's a pulsating, so it sends a shockwave out, and then it stops, and then it sends one out, and it stops like this. So he touches it, and nothing happens. And I said, I, I'm telling you, don't touch that thing, because it'll get a hold of you. So he grabs that wire and hangs on to it. The next thing I know, he flies backwards, lands on his back, and he yells at the top of his, his lungs. Everybody in the village come out. And they said, what happened? And he said, I don't know. It started here. It went down this arm, hit this arm, hit me in the rear end, threw me down on the ground. He said, I don't know. I didn't even see it. They're all gathered around. I said, don't touch this little wire right here. One guy puts his foot on it. He falls down. He's crying. One guy, he was a real brainer. He had his machete and touched it with the machete. Machetes were flying. It was, it was humorous. Karen said, Norm, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I was enjoying the day. What I'm trying to say to you is that there are a lot of things out here in this world that we don't know. I wish it was as easy as to say, God, won't you put, won't you put an electric fence around us to protect us? Now I can tell you, his word becomes a hedge around you to protect you from the evil things. You're not going to get any word. Now our tribal people learn. Okay, you don't touch that. Uh, actually, we had to tell them they would pick up their kids. Uh, one of them, again, had this bright idea. We're going to teach our kids lessons, and we're going to use your fence to do it. And I said, well, now, no, you don't want to do that. And they said, so they'd say, I told you you're supposed to obey. And they'd touch that holding the kid, both of them, babies fly and all this. Well, maybe the baby didn't fly, but. What I'm trying to say to you is that some of you have no parameters built around your life. No spiritual parameters. And it's dangerous. The evil one is out there. I'm telling you, he's everywhere. And if you can't see that now, in the culture we're living in, in the time that we're living in, I believe Jesus is coming sooner than you think. And here's your time to stand up and be a champion. And so our invitation time is about that. You being a champion for Jesus. Let's stand together.
Our worship team is going to come. We're going to have a song. I don't know how God may use you in this uh, invitation for some of you. You're not his child yet because you've never been born again. You've never said, Jesus, I need you in my life. And you've never recognized his death on a cross, his burial in a grave, his resurrection to give to us eternal life. And that's where it always starts by faith and receiving Christ and saying, Lord Jesus, please come. Come and live in me. And so we give you an invitation to respond and receive Christ this morning. For others of you, you are believers. You remember the day you trusted Christ. The problem is, is that you know you're not spiritually where you need to be. And so you may be an infant in Christ. And I can tell you, growth will only come spiritually when you're intentional about it. It's not something mom and dad keeps harping at you. Oh, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it. That doesn't do it. Well, what we'll do it was when you get real with God and you say, okay, God, I, it is true. I'm spiritually immature and I want to grow. I want to be strong when the enemy comes. I want a hedge built around me, your word. I want to, I want to understand this book and that'll happen through the power of his Holy Spirit in your life if you'll let him do it. And so this morning, is an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus. He'll do it for you. So however, we have those that are here that will pray with you. Some in the back here. I'm here. My wife's here. Others. Pastor Roger is here. If God lays on your heart, and the invitation is just about that. What's God saying to you? Nothing more, nothing less. What's God doing in your heart? So as our team leads us, simple song, Many of you know, just as I am, as we sing, would you come as God is speaking to your heart this morning?